procurement officer, which is inviting companies that are involved in the value chain manufacturing uh, cellular and smartphones within South Africa to submit information as uh, they expand their, I guess, a list of entities being considered for transversal contracts for mobile communication services. And they say the objective of this request is to in, uh, is to get information to establish the availability of local manufacturers of mobile cellular phones as it hopes to stimulate the sector. I mean, I guess who still calls it a cellular phone? But hey, Yamgela. Good evening, Aya, and good evening to the listeners. Yeah, my brother, how you doing, man? I am well, thanks. Who still calls um, the phones who carry around cellular phones? I guess that's the politically correct term. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a story. Well, yeah, look, I, I think it's a politically correct term. Well, a mobile uh, phone. I mean, a mobile, mobile phone. Mobile phone. How? Cellular. You're, you're, okay. What's happening here, Yamgela? And, and maybe before we start, if you could just briefly explain to us what a transversal contract is uh, before we get into the localization, industrialization, and other elements of this one. All right. No. So a transversal contract is usually essentially uh, administered contract that is issued by the National Treasury. And then uh, it serves uh, across all government departments that are provincial, national, and local government. So you will have a centrally administered contract, like, for instance, this one, where the Treasury will administer the issuing of cell phones to public servants. And it will then that means that each specific department will not have to tender for the use of this uh, specific service. They just uh, apply that transversal contract uh, negotiation that has already been settled, mm. and each department uh, of officials that need cell phones and so forth will benefit from that specific contract. So it's centrally administered. Instead of it being per department tender, that means throughout the, the government spheres, mm. everyone then uh, is able to to handle uh, the the benefits of the contract from the central repository of the National Treasury. Mm. And, and I guess the benefit for, of that would be cost savings for, for the government in some shape or form. Yes. So uh, in, in a centrally administered uh, contract, service provider then uh, is able to negotiate with the, with the National Treasury. The mm. numbers are able to be consolidated. And because of the sheer bulk, normally that is attached to transversal contracts in terms of the service provision, uh, there's a cost-benefit attached as opposed to uh, one department buying 100 phones, another 1,000, another 2,000. You can just estimate uh, a high number that then varies the cost to a much lower differentiator. Mm, mm. It's quite interesting. I'm gonna, I want us to pause here for a sec. We're going to take a quick spot break. But when we come back, uh, I think for me, there's two issues that arise from from something like this. One is maybe at a theoretical level, you can help us here. Uh, the use of public procurement to trigger innovation and industrialization um, and how something like this could contribute to that. And then maybe the second one is uh, maybe some insight into the market structure of the cellular phone industry um, and whether or not we can anticipate maybe some of what this uh, call for expressions of interest might reveal. Yes. No problem. Cool. 20 minutes it is after 8 p.m. And this evening on our Tech Conversations, we're discussing a a circular that came out of uh, the Office of the Chief Procurement Officer out at the National Treasury. And it's a tender document uh, where it explains the objective as being to request for information to establish the availability of local manufacturers of mobile cellular phones 
as it uh, hopes to stimulate the sector through a transversal contract uh, that uh, the Treasury has recently concluded with various operators. So in a sense, Yamgela, one, one gets a sense here that uh, this is probably one of the uh, uh, commitments they were able to tease out for, from some of these uh, major uh, network operators to say if there's anybody manufacturing these things here in South Africa, then uh, if you're going to be um, selling these things to us, uh, best be sourcing some of them from local producers. Absolutely. So uh, this contract initially, when it came out uh, a few years ago, around 2015, uh, Vodacom uh, became the sole provider of this uh, RT51 uh, contract to to the National Treasury. And of course, uh, in terms of the availability of cell phones, uh, you have uh, uh, a lot of uh, choices, but most of them, or if not all of them, are international brands. And I think that uh, in our strategy to be able to industrialize and also align our 4IR strategies uh, with with production and industrialization, uh, it was thought by the Treasury and supporting departments like uh, Department of Communication and Digital Transformation that uh, we, we need to start stimulating local manufacturing and local electronics to be able to support the needs of the government. And the easiest way to do that is if we make procurement of these devices a necessity uh, for a contract as big as this, because if you think across government departments, agencies, and uh, different uh, players of the state, uh, how many cell phones are being consumed on contracts mm. uh, through this RT51, uh, it, it's, a, it's a big number. And uh, a, a few companies that will be producing locally or will be designing locally because there are three phases to it will will definitely benefit it. It's it's the easiest and quickest way, even in development theory. Uh, the likes of Alice Amsden and Hajun Chang uh, explored that uh, in terms of how South Korea made it mandatory mm. to use Samsung products sure. when Samsung was starting out, and it was actually manufacturing uh, contract manufacturing Sakaino. Uh, mm. equipment from Japan, and they grew out of that. But hey, the state was Samsung. a big catalyst in actually growing Samsung to what it is today. According so to Samsung, I mean, they used to even make cars. I think they sold that business to Daewoo. Uh, they, 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 they still make cars with Renault. They in in, in ah, the Renault yeah. Nissan Alliance. So mm. you have Samsung, Renault in South Korea mm. currently. It's part of the manufacturing. Uh, so Samsung is, is what... Uh, they call shy balls there in Korea. Sure. So the state was invested in creating shy balls, which were super groups, Samsung, LG, uh, Daewoo, a few of these big companies that were in anything from shipping to electronics mm. to financial services and so forth. But the state as a catalyst was, was a major fact, uh, factor in, 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 in the companies growing to the scale that they are at today. Let's talk about market structure here. Um, I mean, I'm quite interested, Yamkela, uh, uh, in trying to understand the f- composition or configuration of market relations um, in the creation of this sector. So many of us would be using Android phones or even phones on different operating systems. Uh, but uh, let us in at a factory level, manufacturing of some of these things, the components, um, and how much of that is actually happening here in South Africa? Currently, uh, Aya, there's, there's only one operational factory. We had a factory uh, in the Eastern Cape, Yagani Manufacturing, uh, which was supposed to be able to start uh, manufacturing uh, local devices and uh, 
decoders and, and so forth, uh, these electronics that we call consumer electronics. But unfortunately, they underwent uh, liquidation uh, last year sometime after a billion rand investment into that facility. So currently, we have Mara phones in the Duba Trade port uh, in Durban. Uh, they are an international brand uh, that... Uh, is, is, is from someone from the UAE, Mara Group, mm. uh, and they've invested in, in a local manufacturing. But I'm not sure in, in terms of the numbers if they would be meeting demand. Number two, it's, it's the market currently is that the major players do not manufacture phones for themselves. Mm. Uh, this is including Samsung. Uh, Samsung does some of its manufacturing, but other, uh, like the bulk of it, they take to Foxconn. This is including Apple, mm. uh, and then many of these big international brands that South Africans love. Uh, the main base of manufacturing phones sits with players that are called contract manufacturers. So they don't make sure. their own brands, but they manufacture on behalf of all these big brands. So from it's, like, it's like white labeling your manufacturing capability. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, okay. it's, 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 so you have either OEM where they provide the design or you design yourself like what your big groups like Apple and Huawei and, and, and uh, other groups, uh, other group uh, electronic groups do where they design and then uh, ship it off to Foxconn and Foxconn uh, makes this or they ship it off to Compal, uh, or they uh, and they they are able to then handle the manufacturing mm. side based on your design spec or they can make it for you and sell it to you so it's either called ODM or OEM and this is the global situation in terms of what cellular phone manufacturing is so if you really want to manufacture locally you have to take into consideration that it would be much more expensive than if you were to send a design into Shenzhen in China and come back with the finished product because it's really an economy of scales. Mm. And how much are you going to be able to manufacture to sustain yourself against a market where uh, millions of phones run off the assembly line somewhere in China? Hmm. Yeah. Hey, it's, so, so in a sense, if, if I'm to come back, I mean, you mentioned two examples there, Yekani, which came into a bit of trouble not so long ago out at the East, East London IDZ. And then you have the Mara Group, which I understand is at the Dubai Trade Port. Um, so in a sense, I mean, th- those are manufacturers. Um, but who then does the design work? Who, who owns the intellectual property that goes into uh, the final mobile cellular phone product here? So ideally, Aya, we, 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 in this, especially for phase one, the design work, I believe that if this is to be successful quickly enough, Mm. without a huge part in investing in factories that we don't know how they are going to play. And in any case, you, you, every, every component that goes into a phone is somewhere in Asia, be it the silicon chips, uh, it's either MediaTek, it's Qualcomm, uh, or closed uh, cell phone groups like Samsung has their own silicon, Apple has their own silicon, Huawei has their own silicon. But for the mass market, they are either sandwiched between Qualcomm and MediaTek for the lower-end phones. Uh, screen manufacturing, you are talking uh, either Sharp, Samsung, uh, BOAD. Uh, so it's big companies that are in Asia. So even if you are manufacturing locally, chances are you are going to buy electronics that need to be yeah, assembled components. locally Eesh. from China. And you are adding costs, shipping them halfway across the world. 
from China to somewhere in South Africa where you are going to assemble them, mm. as opposed to just doing everything in China and bringing boxes that you are going to deliver to stores, which will be much cheaper. So the biggest way is that we run design work uh, and we send it off like the rest of the cell phone industry worldwide is doing and be able to then uh, sort everything out. Uh, it, it will be easier that way and it will be able to achieve the goal. And as the sector matures, this is 10 years down the line, we can be able to assess how the global shape is going and if we can be a new manufacturing base. Because what COVID-19 has also done is that it has created a way for people to look for manufacturing sites out, outside of China in case we have another global meltdown where people have to wait for reopening of, 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 of uh, the Chinese uh, system or, or if, if there's something like COVID-19 were to mm. happen again. So a lot of companies that usually depended in China started looking at other bases in Southeast Asia. And maybe South Africa in terms of location could be a place where ah. we say electronics that are going to the West could have a halfway place. Mm, like a hub. I mean, I, I remember yeah. now when there was an issue with the display scarcity. I mean, I think there was a scarcity in L, LCD or L, LCD or LED screen. LEDs, yes. yes now yes, we, yes. We, I think it's LEDs mainly. Yes, there was a, ma- there still is, I think, a massive shortage, uh, which not only affects, you know, smartphone manufacturers and assemblers, but anything that uses, uh, um, you know, an LED screen, which, um, yeah, and all of this, I guess, uh, a fault driven by this whole just-in-time type of manufacturing, uh, which I guess uh, is might be saying to many of the retailers here in South Africa as well, that um, if you were to have another crisis like COVID, restrictions on mobility, broken global supply chains, it might be in your favor, actually, to have some form of local production here. Yes, so this this is also aligning to what the global market is. And maybe also leveraging uh, some of the relationships that we have in institutions like BRICS, where mm. we can say, look, uh, for for you to also hedge uh, some of your bets as, as China, as India, uh, how about we start sharing some of this uh, manufacturing capacity? Mm. We are a much smaller economy, so it will be easy to be able to take off some of these things and also hedge if something like COVID-19 happens, then Foxconn knows that they have another manufacturing base locally where they can be able to uh, start taking over and it still uh, shortens the time of delivery across the uh, our port from Cape Town to America mm. uh, and, and elsewhere uh, around the world in terms of shipping. So uh, that wouldn't be a problem and it would be a, a, something that helps both us and the, China, the, the Chinese economy. Mm, mm. Let, let's talk, and we can't run away from this particular matter, um, sort of organizational and capital structure. Um, so ideally, we're looking currently for who's doing this at the moment, but it certainly does open a window into thinking about how potentially within the context of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, you could be manufacturing components or doing some element of that entire value chain uh, it might be assembly, it might be the design, it might be, you know, some of the high-value IP elements of it. Um, who owns it? In, you know, should we be looking for, I guess, some public-private partnership, an SOE, or better yet, uh, you know, some form of um, collective or cooperative ownership? I think we can have a lot of public-private uh, partnership. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of capital that is looking to invest in such uh, industry development across the African continent. And the nice thing is that 
we are a continent that uh, is affected by the so-called digital divide, where a lot of our people still need to use these cell phones. We can make them cheaply, available locally, and we have 1.2 billion people to tap into in terms of the African continent and the related infrastructure, like making sure that you have broadband connectivity Mm. through 5G and uh, later iterations of broadband technology. So in this way, if we create uh, a platform and a roadmap to say, if we are going to localize some of this uh, designing, manufacturing, and assembling of uh, cellular and other electronics component, then we start uh, shaping out a a roadmap that Mm. says, by 2030, by 2040, this is what we want to achieve. And this is the capital requirement that needs to be planted into this program. And uh, we, we would be able to say the raw materials are here. The Congo holds the bulk of the cobalt uh, and cotton in the world. And we know that uh, uh, it's, it's a very scarce resource that if we were to get our ducks in a row, we'd be able to leverage and make sure that we are the cheapest hub to manufacture these devices for the rest of the world as mm. opposed to the far east uh, of the globe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a last one then, I guess, uh, on this one, uh, Yamkela, uh, if you could just talk briefly about the three phases, because uh, you never know, there might be somebody who's listening to this who's got a design or some in the process of registering a patent for some process or some function uh, or component that might go into a mobile cellular phone. Um, How do they go about responding to this one? So the three phases, Aya, basically cover... The first phase is for people who design locally, but they manufacture somewhere in Asia. It will likely be someone who is manufacturing in Shenzhen. Uh, the second phase is for someone who designs locally uh, and also then procures uh, components uh, and then assembles locally. And the third phase is for someone who does everything uh, in terms of uh, localization. So they manufacture the components mm. and they assemble locally and they do the design locally. So those are the three phases. I'm not sure of anyone uh, who does phase three uh, outside maybe the Mara group, uh, of which I'm sure a lot of the components, especially the silicon, comes from elsewhere in the world because they use MediaTek uh, silicon uh, that is made uh, by, by, by TMC and MediaTek in, 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 in Shanghai and Taiwan. So I'm not sure who complies, but those are the main two phases are people who will assemble locally, like your Mara group, or people who are happy to design and design and comply with all the systems and then take it to China to be made out. And then it comes in a box that's ready to be delivered in stores. Mm, mm. This is uh, certainly an interesting one, and uh, maybe I guess we, we might have to follow up uh, with the Office of the Chief Procurement Officer once uh, this runs its course, just to get a sense. I mean, wh- what happens thereafter? You know, people submit their things, um, and I guess it should surely be public knowledge uh, to say who submitted what where um, and what the next steps are going to be. But, Manbulele Fundin Gospik Kashalakonamshanje, thank you very much. Thank you, Aya, and good evening to the listeners at home. Awesome stuff. Yamgela Spengane, technology researcher, they're joining, for, joining us for our tech conversations 23 minutes it is before 9 p.m we now go into our community focus and